0: Welcome to The Eternal Connection, a radio broadcast ministry of St. Mark Lutheran Church in Omaha, Nebraska. Whether it be through prescribed behaviors, rituals, or practices, every religion in the world teaches that if we desire to know God, it is our responsibility to find Him and know Him. Christianity, however, teaches something very different. Christianity teaches that God has come to us and has revealed his love for us by putting on flesh in Jesus Christ and by giving us his word through which he continues to speak to us today. We're glad you've joined us as Pastor Jay continues leading us through the Bible right here, right now on The Eternal Connection.
1: And once again, you are eternally connected. Thank you so much for joining us, Pastor Eric J. here from St. Mark Lutheran Church in Omaha, Nebraska, who we're so thankful to for sponsoring this program that comes to you each week, proclaiming the truth and the hope and the joy that is in the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, digging into his word, God's word in the Bible. And uh, we're continuing our series today called The People of the Book. Uh, we're in our last segment of uh, looking at Old Testament people. The prophet Isaiah is who we're going to be talking about today. Uh, but guys, before we get to that, fall has fallen. It has. Fully. One of the most beautiful times of the year, uh, in my opinion. Do you guys have any uh, fall festivities that are tradition, stuff that you guys like to do at the, this time of year? Maybe you don't like fall, I don't know. The only festivity is the leaves. You know, I've always lived in an area where you gather as many people as possible and offer free food and drinks to help pick them up.
2: <laughs> That's a great well, idea. I'll come rake do some you, leaves. Yeah, do you want to <laughs> give your address out? Maybe we'll have some listeners show up. But it is do you do
1: a, one of those big leaf piles and then you're like, people, I've seen that online, jump into oh it. Yeah. Or, yeah, we used to do that. Yeah, had, when the kids were younger, we had some fun with that. And we we used to live in a neighborhood with, just an enormous tree population and you know suburban uh-huh. uh development and yeah, it, it was a big deal and and now living in the country we we still get a good amount of fall leaves and, but the wind helps us much uh
2: disperse them much easier when mm-hmm. you don't have a community around you well, and I think for me, fall used to mean. Next is winter, and I used to really be kind of a curmudgeon when it came to winter, but believe it or not I think I've been around you long enough pastor that you've started to kind of convert the plan me a little is bit. working <laughs> so you know I'm I I actually' am enjoying fall I mean I I like I do like the a little bit cooler weather yeah. uh you know having a little uh fire in the backyard is and the always sky fun.
1: changes too oh yeah just yeah. A, that's one of my favorite parts of this time of year that transition from summer to fall and then from fall into winter the sky just gets colors at mm-hmm. you have. You never see, and one of our favorite things is uh, bonfire season. Oh, yeah. Or backyard fire in our our situation. S'mores. S'mores, s'mores. Uh, We we love doing, uh, hanging out on the patio and doing that stuff. Hopefully you guys get a chance to enjoy the weather as we uh, push ahead here in our study of God's word and looking at his uh, prominent people. We're going to be looking at Isaiah today uh, and just using him as an example of the prophet's Uh, and kind of what it meant to be a prophet, what it means to prophesy, which I think is often a term that's misunderstood. Uh, But we'll be looking at Isaiah for that. So turn in your Bible. We're going to start right at chapter 1,
2: verse 1. But before that, Chip, why don't you pray for us? Lord Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for your prophets of old, who proclaimed our very salvation through your promised Messiah King, Jesus. Thank you for your sovereignty over a world that wars constantly against your perfect will. Lord, help us to always remember that your ways are higher than our ways, and your words, unlike ours, always do what they say. All glory and honor to Jesus, your Son, the Word made flesh. Amen. Amen. Amen.
1: I like how you brought in Isaiah's words into that prayer. Your ways are above our ways, and the Word of the Lord will perform what it says. Very good. Every once in a while.
2: (laughs) I remember something, so...
1: So we're talking about the prophets. We kind of talked about that a little bit with Samuel. He was a prophet. I mean, for all intents and purposes, Moses was a prophet. Abraham was a prophet. You could even say that Adam was called to prophesy. And you mentioned it, and you might be getting there, but prophet, prophesy, you know, if you're newer to Scripture, those seem like big words, and simply they mean? To tell the truth. God's truth, yeah. And and I think there's a difference between prophesying and being a prophet, right? So l- let's talk about prophesying first. I mean, most people, when they hear the word prophesy, they think what?
2: Tell the future.
1: Yeah, crystal ball, mm-hmm. you know, some type of um, incantation to be able to say, hey, this is coming. Um, That certainly is part of it. I mean, Isaiah, large parts of Isaiah are are geared towards what's coming. Mm -hmm. Um, But as often the case for all the prophets in Scripture, they're they're talking about two things at the same time, which is a big word in Scripture we call proleptic. It's looking at something now and talking about something that's happening now, but yet the implications and even the events that are taking place, like Assyrian captivity, Babylonian captivity, uh, where God... Um, disciplines the nation Israel for their idolatry, those captivities and the release from that captivity, which prophets like Isaiah, Jeremiah, Amos, all of them are talking about, are real things that are happening. Mm-hmm. But they're also pictures of a spiritual ultimate reality that's going to come from the prophet Jesus. So to, to prophesy simply means to, to tell the truth, and the truth is God's truth that is a truth both past present and future would that be the same as spreading the good news yeah you could honestly say that when a christian is is preaching christ crucified you don't have to be a pastor to prophesy Uh, you are truly prophesying Um, and as we'll see with isaiah half the time isaiah didn't even really know what he was talking about I mean these words were given to him these were inspiration from the Lord as as we'll see when we look at chapter 6 and he's just faithful to write them down he's faithful to preach them not even knowing the full extent or implications of what he's saying that's not what God called prophets for they were proclaimers not necessarily to reveal all the mysteries of God to pronounce but to pronounce
2: judgment and salvation well and I think it's important to know that when you said that he didn't necessarily understand what he was writing down or what he was prophesying or proclaiming, that didn't mean that he was doing it in gibberish. He he wasn't, oh, just, right. he wasn't just sitting there and— Yeah, it's not Reformed Egyptian or anything right. like that. Right, yeah, yeah. So because, I mean, there, yeah. there are folks today uh, that uh, subscribe to this ability to prophesy, and uh, it un- unfortunately, it's nonsense. You're talking about speaking in
1: tongues? Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, even speaking in tongues, that's a legitimate gift of the Spirit, but the, most people often leave out the fact that there's an interpreter that's required to be there, and God's not going to say anything contradictory. Right. And that's why prophecy is so important to understand past, present, and future. Whatever God is saying now and whatever he's going to do in the future will always be commensurate in line with and in agreement with what he's already said and done. Right. So any good prophecy— Uh, starts with what has been. And that's the only way to understand what's going forward. And you see this with Jesus, right? Uh, On the road to Emmaus, he takes Moses and the prophets and shows how everything that they were talking about was pointing to him. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by he didn't understand, like when we get to Isaiah 53 and the suffering servant, um, much of what Isaiah was writing, he didn't know who that was going to be. He didn't know really the he couldn't have known the Roman cross was going to be how that right. came to be. But clearly, this is what he was writing. And it probably, given the context of Isaiah, didn't make a whole lot of sense to him either on how this servant of God, this ultimate Messiah, was going to
2: come and bring about salvation this way. Um, but he was still telling the truth. Well, and I, I read just this last week, uh, it was in a uh, a book that was designed to, I guess, make some of the more difficult concepts more readable for children. Uh-huh. Uh, it was an info, Bible infographic. Oh. And they talked about how one of the ways that we can be absolutely certain that the Bible is true is because the probability of all the prophecies becoming perfectly fulfilled oh, by yeah. Jesus, yeah. which did happen, yep. uh, is one with a whole bunch of zeros after it. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. uh, it, it was cool that uh, this episode is dealing with that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, Jason, uh, hopefully that answers what you were looking for. A prophet is someone who simply tells the truth, and by that we mean the truth, God's truth. Now, there are plenty of people that can prophesy, uh, but there was an office set up for prophet um, that that God would call these people to deliver uh, proclamations of judgment and salvation. Um, but going all the way, and that's what Moses did, right? I mean, really, that's what he did, and you get that famous passage from Deuteronomy 18 when Moses says, there's going to be a prophet that comes among you like me, but greater than me. He's the one that's going to give you the truth of God directly from God's mouth. So even that early on, um, we, we have the promise that this office of prophet uh, is being used by God not only to speak to God's people in real time, but also as a picture, as a foreshadow of this word of God made flesh that was going to come and speak to us truly through the mouth of God. So Isaiah uh, begins his uh, book, um, often called sermons or his book of proclamations, um, by identifying himself kind of where he's at, what he's doing. Uh, Verse 1 says, The vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos, uh, which is different from Amos, by the way, the prophet. We don't really know much about Amos other than what Isaiah tells us. uh, Which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. So if you didn't know... The kingdom of Israel, that was supposed to be 12 tribes united as one, uh, ultimately split. They had a division, and this was really uh, brought about by Solomon, David's son, who departed from the ways of the Lord, um, and and God spoke a judgment that the kingdom was going to be taken away from his son, Rehoboam, and we see that playing out. Um, and then the kingdom was divided between, essentially, the tribe of Judah and Benjamin to the south, and then the rest of the tribes of Israel to the north. And from that moment on, Israel's really, when we say Israel, we're talking about Israel north. And then the rest of Israel, as it was intended to be, uh, is referred to as Judah, the southern kingdoms. And prophets <coughs> uh, were, were called to prophesy to different uh, kingdoms, Uh Isaiah Jeremiah they were southern judah prophets prophesying to those kingdoms Amos and others were more focused on the northern kingdom uh but but Isaiah's saying uh I'm I'm the prophet given a vision to judah during the times of these kings So Isaiah is kind of a yeah you know, I mean important person um it, yeah it, I mean, Jesus quotes Isaiah in some of his most prominent moments, Um, you know, when he's in his hometown. um, He quotes Isaiah 61 on verse verbatim and says, this prophecy is fulfilled in your hearing, and Jesus identifies himself as the Messiah with those writings of Isaiah. Yeah, and and he does that multiple times. So right away in verse 2 of chapter 1, This is really the beginning of what Isaiah has to say. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. Children I have reared and brought up, but they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its owner, and the donkey its master's crib, but Israel does not know. My people do not understand. Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, offspring and evildoers, children who deal corruptly. They have forsaken the Lord. They have despised the holy one of Israel; they are utterly estranged. Now, when you read four there, it it doesn't sound a lot different than today. I mean, we're not we're not talking about Israel, but there's it. It sounds a, a lot like modern time. Yeah, it sounds a lot like sin in general. Yeah, I mean that's what that's what prophets have been uh sent for, right? We we shouldn't have prophets. I tell, I've told people before, that I shouldn't be here. You shouldn't need a pastor. We we should have just been with the Lord. That's what was intended, right? Um but prophets were sent to proclaim the truth because much like Adam and Eve did, all humanity does, um we kick against the truth. We try to create our own truth. And so yeah, you're going to find lots of commonality uh, with the writings of the prophets, just as we have throughout the rest of Scripture. Sure, there's things that were unique to their time. Uh, you know, we're not looking at Assyrian or Babylonian captivity, and we don't have some of their practices. But, but any astute mind of any level would understand that those things are, are <coughs> secondary to the, the main reason why prophets were given, and that's because God's people go astray and so what an exciting job that uh, Isaiah had is to to come out and say you know even donkeys know their master's crib but <laughs> you and by the way if you know not that it's rated R but Isaiah's got some pretty uh pretty graphic stuff that he says sure. uh, to to communicate the offense of sin uh To God, one of those that comes to mind is you know, your even your most righteous works are like dirty rags. That's probably what your English translations say, but Isaiah is using the word for menstrual rag um, because we humans have such a tendency to minimize sin. We sure do. And this is what the prophets were sent for. Uh, And as we'll see in just a second, no man can do this on his own. Isaiah was not important, as you said, Jason, because. Isaiah was somebody. After Isaiah gives this initial five chapters of kind of a a prologue, a, a proclamation of what's gone wrong and what he's come here to do, he gives us in chapter 6 of Isaiah uh, the record of how he became a prophet. And this is really true for all the prophets, they don't choose themselves, right? Think back to Moses. Did Moses choose himself? No. He,
2: in fact, he didn't, <laughs> didn't want to go.
1: He didn't want to go. Samuel didn't choose himself, right? Um, he wouldn't was, even choose ourselves to be born. Right, right. With, so being a prophet uh, isn't something that is accomplished by uh, intellect or education. It is literally the call of God and the grace of God working in and through people. And in chapter 6, Isaiah says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne. Clearly he's talking about a vision, right? That's Mm -hmm. what he said in chapter 1. High and lifted up, the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost. I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people with unclean lips. My eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. There's a lot there. um. What's the six wings? Yeah, those are—so uh, I was just talking with our confirmation class about this, actually, um, uh, about a week or so ago, that uh, when we look at cr- the account of creation in Genesis 1, w- we think we often are, are prone to think of just the physical universe that was created, right? Uh, in the beginning, God created. And we think, oh, yeah, the universe, the stars, the sun. Well, it says God created the heavens and the earth, And Colossians would say that he's the maker of all things visible and invisible. So a seraph isn't visible to us. It's a spiritual creature that God created with six wings. And they are predominantly surrounding the throne of God uh, in endless worship, uh, doing exactly what you see here, Um, singing holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled of his glory. So it's a, a creature of God, but a spiritual creature of God. And again, this is a vision that Isaiah has. And I think the, the important part uh, of this passage is, like we were saying, Isaiah did not make himself a prophet. If anything, when Isaiah is given just a vision, I mean, he's not even really there, right? <laughs> it's like Paul. When he says, I went up to the third heaven man, and the things I saw, I feel like it would be a sin if I tried to put human words to describe that. Isaiah sees this, and as soon as he sees the Lord, the King, it acts immediately as a mirror. It reveals not only the glory of God, but the sinfulness and uncleanness of Isaiah himself. Well, and you bring in a, you know, another name here at the start of six in the year that King Uzziah died. King Uzziah is just one of the kings. Um, he's just giving a time reference for us. It's kind of a reference point. Yeah, a reference point. Um, and so what do you, I mean, he's standing there in this vision, unworthy, right? Almost kind of like Moses, right? I'm unclean lips. I have a stutter. (laughs) And in verse six, one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar of incense. And he touched my mouth and said, behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Now, we, we could spend episodes just picking this apart, but I think the big takeaway is that we see happening for Isaiah in this vision the judgment and salvation that he himself is going to proclaim to Israel, a judgment that's going to come through words, and a salvation that's going to come through words. Right? Nothing that Israel or Judah is going to do is going to save them. It's going to be brought to them through this servant that ultimately Isaiah is going to get to in his prophecies, this suffering servant that's going to come. And he's going to do for everyone exactly what this angel just did for Isaiah, atone for sin by becoming a sacrifice, a uh, uh, that his death would be like the altar of incense offering up to God the pleasant aroma of righteousness and justice on our behalf. So like I said, that's just a picture that we get right off the bat, even with Isaiah's call, of what is going to be done not only for Judah and and all of Israel, but for all of humanity through these, these prophecies of Isaiah. And of course, I would say probably the most famous prophecy that we have from Isaiah is one that we read uh, probably multiple times every Lenten season, especially uh, on Good Friday and that whole preparation for Jesus's death uh, and resurrection is Isaiah chapter 53. Um, This is, (coughs) I think the third, fourth uh, since chapter 49, I believe it is of the servant prophecies. And, and as it later says in scripture, as Paul writes, uh, the people in the past were saved, uh, from faith for faith, that they were looking forward to this suffering servant. They were looking forward to this Messiah, even though they couldn't really understand how this was going to be. And you and I are saved simply by looking back upon that Messiah. And even we don't understand everything completely. And as Chip, you referenced, it's Isaiah that, that quotes God and says, my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. That's why I'm God and you are not and so let's read a little bit of that, if, if not the whole thing, because I think once we get started, it's going to be hard to stop. <laughs> but maybe we will. Isaiah 53, who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he, again, this is the suffering servant that Isaiah is saying is coming, he grew up before him like a young plant, like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and as one from whom men hid their faces. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs, carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned, every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and as for his generation who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. And they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. I definitely think it was wise to read that all at once. I probably could have stopped you fifteen times. <laughs> there there is a lot there and he's got he is in Isaiah, you know, um it's a lot of a lot of stuff to unpack there. Yeah, and isn't it incredible, again, just because of the short time that we have, um There's there's no way Isaiah could have known how Detailed and exacting. Right.
2: Yep. That's what I was his thinking.
1: words were going to be to what happened to Christ. Mm-hmm. Right? There's 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 just no way. Except this was actually God speaking through his prophets, foreshadowing what was coming. And that's really the purpose of all the prophets as we read them. They're pointing to Christ, the prophet, the priest, the king. Well, and one thing that I'm uh... Having a hard time with is and maybe not a hard time's the right word, but we've talked before that God exists outside of the concept of time, uh-huh, but time's a big deal to us, you know one of the first things I thought was how much time are we talking here, and you said eight hundred years, yeah, and you know to God, eight hundred years probably doesn't mean anything and uh, that amount of span of time probably doesn't seem the same to him. Right. Um, so I'm sitting here thinking, like, why did why did it take so long for all that to happen? But in his perfect plan, that might be a five minutes. Yeah, or, Peter would say a thousand years is like a day, and a day is like a thousand years to the Lord. The, the reason he takes any time at all is for the sake of those who will come to believe.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And only he knows when that last person is. We don't know that. And if the time keeps marching on, some people will say, "Wow, well, yeah, see, it's all a lie." Instead, those who truly hear the truth and believe will say, "Look at how gracious he is for a sinful humanity." And that's really what what would have been the struggle for Isaiah and especially the Israelites in captivity is understanding that, gosh, salvation's going to come through suffering. Well, yeah, but you see, that suffering, this captivity, the captivity of the whole world, is only because of sin. And if we're going to be saved from it, it has to be paid for. God is a God of righteousness. And that's what the suffering servant is coming to suffer for, to pay our price, to be counted with transgressors so that we would be counted
0: as righteous through faith in what he's done for us. We pray our time together in God's Word has been a blessing to you and to your faith in Jesus Christ, who is our Lord and Savior of the world. If you enjoy listening to our program, we would love to hear from you. Go to eternalconnectionradio.com. To find our full episode archive, contact us, let us know you enjoy the show, or ask a question that Pastor Jay will answer on the air. God bless all of you. We look forward to connecting with you again next Sunday on The Eternal Connection.